0: This Torah class is brought to you by TorahAnytime dot com. Okay, good afternoon, Rabbi Isai. As we continue on our amazing journey in trying to locate the mysterious Sambayon, the lost ten tribes, and uh, along the way try to learn a little bit of the history of Akdamos. So we mentioned of the great ninth century traveler Eldar Hadani, and uh, the question that was posed to Rabbi Tzemach who actually. Gave him some, uh, showed him some countenance, and accepted certain ideas that he said. And but uh, most notably, we discussed the story Elder Hadani said about the Leviim, who he said after they bit off their thumbs were actually magically transported on the other side of the Sambat And we we uh, at first were a little bit incredulous, but then we saw actually Taragim uh brings up the same uh, idea, brings up the same idea. And I want to mention to you another attempt that was made to locate the Ten Shvatim. And this attempt was amazingly in the year 1899. In 1899, a messenger was dispatched from Eretz Yisrael with a letter that was signed by many, many Gadoilim. You have it on your sheet at number 20, most notably Rabbi Yosef Chaim Sonnenfeld. And this letter was sent to try to... Um, Locate and identify and find the Asar Sashvatim The name of the sefer is Kol Mevaser by Rab Shimon Svi Harowitz. And uh, really, I should have done this earlier, but I want to publicly thank um, Rabbi Aryeh Pinchas Strikoff, who uh, is in the course of writing a book called, I believe it's called Inside Akdamos. He once contacted me about a Maramakoim, and uh, through that, I was made known that he's working on this book, which is an excellent work. Um, where he did tremendous research and I borrowed much of his research for uh, a good part of this uh, presentation and he was kind enough to forward me many of the Imar so we have on the sheet number 20 the Sefer Kol vasar of Rab Shimon Svi Horowitz Reb Shimon Svi Horowitz was the Rosh Yeshiva and founder of Yeshivas Shar Hashamayim the great Kabbal- Kabbalistic Yeshiva which was founded together with the father of Shomazam and Orbach and here we have a letter of of a messenger who was sent out, and interestingly, amazingly, the route that he took to try to discover the Ten Shvatim. I'll read to you some of the cities that he traveled through. Let's see if you uh, could identify some of them. Look at number 20. On the second line, I, the author, was the messenger of this momentous trip. The Nosati... And I traveled Kafi Hadrachim Hamasudar Lafonai based on the road, the, the the path that was arranged for me. Ratius, at first, Nasati Derech, Zuaz Canal. Okay, you got that one? The Zuaz Canal, Derech Yamsuf, ad Lir Aden. Aden Okay, that's uh, North Africa? Yeah. Yemen. Yeah. No, no, no. Well, actually, we, we had. It's on the Peninsula. Well, there was a yam called Yam Eden, actually, which uh, the Elder Hadani discusses. Afterwards, I crossed the city Karachi. Where is that? Pakistan. Pakistan. That's where um, many, most of the people in this neighborhood come from. Hasmucha Lir Hagadoyla. Bombay, right? India. Bombay. When we show him Yesh Where is that? Also in India. and I crossed the road of Bombay to Haidu. Haidu ha- is actually India, mm-hmm. but even though in Hebrew Haidu is Turkey. right. Turkey bird. Convert, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> I investigated there, and then I went to the city of Calcutta. Calcutta? Yeah. India also. 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 I gathered other information. I, invited, I received an invitation. Okay. Also in China. And there were a lot of, uh, impediments over there. And he writes, I went to Kugin and Kachin and, um, Unkirim and Pharaoh. Until Shinuli and Kalkut, which is a different Kalkut. Basically, he uh, he made his rounds to try to discover the ten lost tribes. Well, Rabbi, Isai, what I want to uh, bring to your attention, which is really most relevant to the Yamtuf of Shvuas, which which we passed, but hopefully we'll bear this in, in mind for next year. And if you're listening online, this will be good listening material for next year Shavuos time. And that is the famous story, or maybe legend, about the formation of Akdamos, when it was composed, who composed it, and what were the circumstances. And we begin with the following. If I'm not mistaken, the Taz, in Simen Tafsad Idalad mentions the ancient custom, that after um, they take out the Sefer on the first day of Shavuos, and they call up the Kayin, and the Kayin makes the Baruch and the Bracha, and they lay in the first pasuk, the Balcoire then says, "Aktamos milen, Mishara Sha Avlashakilna, Harman, or Shusa. So that was the ancient custom to sing Akdamos after the Kriya of the first pasuk. To which the Taz asks, how could we do such a thing? How could we be Mavsik in the middle of Kriya Satayra with Akdamos, with a Piyot? We're now to be Mavsik in the middle of in the middle of Kriya Satira and therefore the Ta' says, it is therefore more correct to do what some are noyeg, and that is to sing Akdamos even before the Bracha on the Torah of the first Aliyah. In other words, to say Akdamos before we begin to be Kaira Ba'atayra. Like Rus. Like? Rus. Like Rus. Right, correct. Be before the Kriya Satayra. Now obviously you take out the Sefer Torah, but, and that's what, that's what all shuls do today as far as I know. How about this, literal, like, do literal? Introduction. Introduction. How come Sfadim I don't have it. Sfadim get right down to business. They don't need introductions. <laughs> right? Ashkenazim, how are you? Shalom Leichem. Sfadim. Yeah. Sfadim do other things. And they, they have ha-ketubah. Ha-Ketubah Rabbi Son Najara. Yes. Yeah. Right? Okay. So, comes the Eliyar Yaraba and the Eliyar Yaraba answers the taz. And he says, not so fast what's wrong with the ancient custom of leaning Akdomoth in the Look at number 21. Betaz Hikshah, Taz asks, B'zeh, Vedaito Iloyimar, his opinion is to say, Akdomoth koidem sheyaskho leberchas ha-toira, before berchas ha he says to say Akdomoth before, Ukfar, Tirei Tzakobu Tshuvah Sharafrayim, but says, oh, your Rabbi, not so fast, in the the Sharafrayim, he already answers everything. Ummakayim ha minog. And he fulfills the minog. In other words, he upholds the minog. He says the ancient custom is correct to sing Akdamas in the middle of Kriyas Torah. Gam nimsa nidfas belashan ashkenaz yashan noishan. It was also found, printed in German, an ancient document. Whoa, so now the El-Yarabah is quoting ancient Germanic documents. So th- this must be interesting. Maisa Ba'arichas, a story Ba'arichas. Da'amatiknu akdamas. akdamas. In this ancient German manuscript, it talks about why they enacted Akdamas. The Vasieim, and it says in this manuscript, Shekivan HaMaisahoya BaMidbar. Since the story of Akdomas took place in a desert, Lachain <laughs> Tiknu Loimar Acher BaMidbar Sinai. That's why they were Mesake and Tilain Akdomas after the first Pasuk, Zecher in memory of the miracle. In other words, what was the ancient custom? let's say, Israel, Sinai. So it says what word? Midbar. So since after the first Pasuk it says, the first Pasuk says the word Midbar, and the story of Akdamas took place in a Midbar, therefore it is correct to say Akdamas after the first Pasuk. Now the question is, what in the world is the Elia talking about that the, the story of Akdamas took place in a Midbar? I don't know this story. What's the story? But apparently there is some kind of ancient legend about where Akdamas was composed, which would defend the ancient custom of saying Akdamas in the middle of Kresa And that is something that I would like to bring to your attention. Now, there are those who question the veracity of the story we're about to learn. So for example, look at number 22. In the Sefer of Dr. Naftali Nason Segal Berger, he writes, That this story has no basis in reality. He writes that this Agoda, which was printed first, by the way, in Yiddish, that talks about some kind of dispute in Worms with one of the Rishonim and about the other side of the Sambanyon, says the the Sefer, it's Rak Agoda Amamis, it's just... uh, um, national folklore without any historical basis. But Marvara Isai, The El obviously took it very seriously to the extent where it was it was considered so true that it would allow us to violate Halachic principles of interrupting Middle Kriya And the El says we should preserve the custom of leaning at middle of Mir So let's try to figure out and find out what exactly is this story and um, this is really a remarkable a remarkable maisa and um, I, I draw your attention to number 37 and with this we begin um, an amazing journey to the other side of the Sambayon and how at one point in our history it, in order to save the lives of Klai Yisrael this journey was uh, was uh, necessary to make. Uh, the the story that that I'm reading to you comes from a, a sefer that I got my hands on before Shavuos. It's called Matan <laughs> Teiraseinu. It's a publication of Bells and a collection of uh, many interesting things about the Yom Tev of Shavuos and most notably this story. So, Rabbi Isai, if you like stories, then you're going to love this one. So, uh, number 37, let's start to read. I'm gonna read very quick and translate. May from the beginning of the destruction of the Second Temple, Shagolu Yusom Yar Sam that the Jewish people were exiled from their land. Yaduha Yehudim. The Jews knew wherever they settled. All they knew was sorrows, rabbis, many pains, many tragedies, They were constantly being pursued. Hara Bematzavam. This evil began specifically, when Christianity began to spread. In other words, the beginning of Jewish tragedy. If you want to know, what's the beginning of Jewish tragedy? The spread of Christianity. Now, the Rishonim write that the spread of Christianity actually was beneficial to the world. First of all, they write, wherever Christianity did not spread, the people are barbarians you know, in the Far East, or in countries that the religions did not spread to, they're, they're, there's no c- civilization. They don't have, uh, the, you know, ethics. They don't have morality. But unfortunately, Christianity also brought with it more bloodshed than any other cause in history. Well, The Jews in every province and country were given, we're given under... The good graces of the Gentiles. And that brought tragedy, She'en <laughs> Kamayo. With great accusations and great, um, accusations, the, the noites and the Christians spilled on us. Gezeros, various types of expulsion and forced Abandonment of religion, Hayumanos Khalko Shalam Yehudi was the lot of the Jew. We endured a lot. Dam Yehudi Barach, Jewish blood spilled like water to sanctify the name of God. The Chomadinois in every country, Bohemiskoiru, Allah whatever countries Jews lived in, Uluha Yehudimala Moikate, we went up on the confl- uh conflagration, Fenusurfa Kedusha Shma Yisbarach, and we were burnt at the stake. However, says this story, the hearts of kings and officers are in the hands of God. There were periods of our history that we had benevolent kings who were favorable to the Jewish residents. And among such uh, situations, there was a country in, behind the Midbar called Midbar Asia. Asia. The Asian desert. Ooh, The Asian desert. And this Asian desert, guess what river it is next to? You got it. Samoch Linar, It ain't the Mississippi. It's the Sambayan River. And this country had a benevolent king, and the Jews dwelled there securely, each man under the peace of his own house. There were no decrees, there were no accusations. The king protected us. Now, next paragraph all we wanted in this country was to dwell in peace. And the Kafat Salayim Rogzoy Shoimer Echad. But the wrath of a certain priest was hurled against us, Shahayim Hashaif He was a great magician. he and through his sorcery, He began to harm us. But he would go out into the street, Hayah he would kill Jews with his vision. He had some kind of, you know, x-ray vision. Uh, He would shoot you with his eyes and people would drop dead through his kishof. And people were just simply terrified of him. They would lock themselves up in their homes because they knew that if this magician gave you one bad look, you were a dead man. So the Jews gathered together The Jews gathered together to figure out what to do against this magician so they decided to send a message to the king, to beg the king, please king, you like us, you've always protected us, please do something about this magician. Well, when the king heard about what this magician was doing, what this Kishav Macha was doing, killing Jews innocently, he sent a message to him. He said, what are you doing? Why are you bothering my loyal Jewish subjects? Turn over the page. Well, Rabbi Yisai, this koimer, this priest, Showed up immediately, like the king commanded, and the king spilled his wrath on him. And the king said, Why are you harming the Jews? Don't you dare harm the Jews! But the Kishof this evil magician, this evil priest, began to subdue the king. He said, King, why do you treat the, the Jews so well? Don't you realize they don't accept Christianity? Don't you realize the Jews are the devil? Don't you Jew- realize the Jews are the embodiment of the devil? And we have to kill them? That's our religion, king. What happened to you? You're not a from Christian. You must be like a conservative Christian or a reformed Christian. But a good from Christian knows that you have to, you have to murder Jews. All the apologetic popes, they're abandoning their religion. The definition of Christianity is the Jews is the devil. Don't you know this, king? And says this uh, priest to the king, hey king, how about we have a debate? And if I win the debate, then give me the ability and right to do to the Jews whatever I like. And if I lose the debate, then they could do with me whatever they choose. Now the the priest was so confident that no Jew would stand up to him to debate because uh Nobody would want to be within eyesight of this priest. The priest would just give him one, you know, uh, x-ray vision look, and that would be the end of anybody who would start up with this priest. And the priest would begin to persuade the king day after day, until finally the king said, you know what? This is a good idea. Miyad, the paragraph that begins Miyad. What year? We're going to see exactly what year. Sholach HaMelech Likroy L'Rosh the king sent the heads of the congregation to the heads of the congregation. He told them about his decision that a debate would take place and he told them about the date of the debate that it will take place in three months and they need to appoint a chacham, a Jew from their country, from another country, to represent them in any manner they see fit. And he told them the repercussions that if they win the debate, all will be well with them. But if they lose the debate, they will be delivered into the hands of this cruel koimer, this cruel priest. They left the king bewildered, astounded, storm-tossed from the sudden change of attitude that the king had had to them. He had always been their great protector, and now he's putting them in great peril. So they gather together in fast and in prayer. They beseech Riban to give them an idea of what to do, how can they save themselves. Well, Rabbi say. At that moment, the heads of the congregation gathered together to appoint a Chacham to represent them in debate against this priest. But none of the ideas were accepted because the Koimer stipulated that whoever debates him has to be able to stand up to his Kishof, otherwise they will not be able to enter the debate. And therefore nobody had a good idea who could we appoint to represent ourselves. And they came up with the following idea. Until one of the assembled got up, and he set forth his idea. From the other side of the river is the Sambayon River. And do you know who lives on the other side of the Sambayon River? The Bnei Moshe, like we learned yesterday, that from the time of Yelassim and Uziel, that when the Leviim were forced to sing Shira on, on al Bavel, Babel, Hashem sent an Onon, and He carried the Bnei Moshe, the Leviim to the other side of the Sambadion. And over there we have the Bnei Moshe. And you know what about the Bnei Moshe? You want to hear an amazing thing about the Bnei Moshe? Kulam sadikim they're all righteous. Now at this point, I want to refer you back to... Number, see if you can find it, about the B'nai Moshe. You want to know about the B'nai Moshe? Number 32. And number 32 from the Sefer Komavasar Vasar of Rabshim Shimon Horowitz, he brings down about uh, who's on the other side of the Sambatyon. He writes, Kure yakar. Hichon v'Hachin, prepare and and get your, your hearts ready. V'Hachin le'vavavcha, Likras Hadavar Hagadol Hanifla To this amazing thing that I'm going to let you know about. Al Dvarcha Kiros Achinu Shifte Yisro and about the ten tribes of Moisha Moshe and the children of Moshe ha of Nei and Har Sambatyon, who most certainly live on the other side of Sambatyon. Uvnei Harachavim. And the house of the Rechavim are from the, who are from the family of Yoinodov ben Rechev. And we are certain, and we've investigated. Says the Sefer Komavasa, that who's on the other side of the Sambadion? The Tenshvatim, the Bnei Moshe, and the descendants of Yoinodov ben Rechev, who are the family, who are, who are the Rechavim? Look at number 33, from Sefer Yirmiyahu where it says, go to the house of the Rechavim, who are the Rechavim, the Radak there says, the, the house of Chayvav, the son-in-law of Moshe Rabbeinu. But in this story, this version of the story, they specifically want to contact who? The Bnei Moshe, the sons of Moshe Rabbeinu. Let's somehow send message to the other side of the Samayon, to the Bnei Moshe, or they're all Sadiqin. Now on that note, what is this tradition that the people on the other side of the Sambatyon are all Tzadikim? How do we know that they're all Tzadikim? I mean, do they have a tradition that, that all the people on the other side of the Hudson are Tzadikim? How do we know that everyone on the other side of the how do we know they're all Tzadikim? Well, interesting, if you look at number 20, um, in the Sefer also, Kal Mavasa, page 72-73, to 73, Brings down in the name of the Vilna Gaon on the pasuk, it's in the second column, the second line. Saarech keeder harachelam shinaich. Well, on the words um, <laughs> saarech are the Bnei Moshe. The Vilna Gaon says that live on the other side of Sambatyan. Heymat sadikim Uprushim gedolim. They are very righteous people. So according to this version of the story. They wanted to contact the Bnei Moshe, who are all Sadiqim. And by the way, we learned that in this community, in this location, on the other side of the Samanya, they judge with the Dalad Miso's Bezdin. And he brings down, they have a Sanhedrin. And let's send them a Shliach, and maybe one of them will be Maskim to debate the priest. And certainly, these great Sadiqim will not be harmed by the Kishof of this Kaimah. But here's the one problem If you remember The Sambat Yoin Is very active And it's very volatile And it could even destroy iron And basically to cross it during the week Would be Suicide So you say no problem So wait till Shabbos well, It brings down over here Here's the problem Haryas Nahar Sambatyon Ev Shalavar Mabli Lakalo Shabis. The Sambatyon you can't cross unless you desecrate the Shabbos. Why? Kivan Shenaharaza Mashavan Khony Mai Sash because this river hurls stones the whole week. The Hoivosham, and anyone who crosses it near Gamba will be stoned to death. Rak this Shabbas Koydeshnach Hanar. Only on the holy shabbas does the river rest. The Aino Masha Savanam and stones. And only then could we cross it. Without getting harmed. But there's one problem crossing the Samad Yon on Shabbos. What is it? To cross the Samad Yon is Chilo Shabbos. So that's the great dilemma. To cross during the week is suicide. To cross on Shabbos is Chilo Shabbos. Now moreover of rabbi say, why is it Chilo Shabbos what to, cr- to cross the Samaya? What's, uh, what's the big dilemma? What's the, what's the Chilo Shabbos? Well, okay, good. So some suggest, look at number 39. One of the Perushim on the Medrash, the Yifei Anaf, he brings down uh, number 39. On Shabbos they couldn't cross it because it was more than 2,000 Amayas. Now, that's not sync necessarily with the report of Eldar HaDani. Eldar HaDani said in some places it's only 60 Amos wide. But at least according to this version, crossing the samadyon entailed violating Tchum Shabbos. Anything's possible. Why are they doing this to save ah, so we're going to see they ultimately decided to do it because of became Nafashis. But the question is, what was the What was the hurdle? What well, was the Chil of Shabbos? So some say it was tchum. others say like this. What's the halacha? <laughs> are you allowed, if you're walking and you encounter a stream, are you allowed to jump over a stream on Shabbos? So the halacha is like this. You have to jump over the stream. You're not allowed to go around. Why? You're not allowed to walk out of your way on Shabbos. It's Tircha Yuseira. So if you have to go somewhere on Shabbos, you're required to take the shortest possible way. Look In, in, in fact, in Archaim, and Simon Shinalif in Sif Gimel, brings down Halacha. If you're walking and you reach the river, you're allowed to jump over it, even if it means really jumping. And it's better to jump than to go around it because it's going to uh, cause you to walk out of your way. Are you allowed to walk through a river on Shabbos? Not swim. Walk through the river. So don't squeeze it. Are you allowed to walk through the river? No. Why? Sakhita. Aye, but you might... So don't squeeze. You might forget. The sabbatchan had no water. So this doesn't fit into the version that the sabbatnyon was waterless. But if it had water, then this might be... Now, here's the question. For a Dvar Mitzvah, you're allowed to walk through a river. What's an example of a Dvar Mitzvah? There's a Mitzvah to greet your Rebbe. Um, so, if, on Yom Tif especially, Chay v'adam um, l'hakbo rabbi b'mayit. Why? Now, that's an interesting that requires the shir in and of itself. Do you have an obligation, azet, to visit your Rebbe? The Rambam brings it down, the Rift brings it down, the Rush brings it down. Mysteriously, the Shulchan Arach does not. There's a tshuva in the night of Why not? But one, it is a mitzvah on Yom to greet your Rebbe. You're allowed to walk through a river to greet your Rebbe on Shabbos and Yom tif. Why? What about squeezing? So the halach is, you don't take your hand out of the hem of the garment in order to remember not to squeeze. Well, Rabbi said this was certainly a dvar mitzvah, and the would have been permitted for them to walk through the river. What about swimming on Shabbos? Are you allowed to go swimming on Shabbos? No, let's do the whole thing. You're not allowed to go swimming on Shabbos. You know why? Because you're carrying. Okay. You're carrying. You're carrying the water. Oh. you're going to shoot the water more than four almos away. That's the same thing when walking through the water. you still be carrying the water when you walk out of When you walk, you just walk. When you swim, <laughs> now, are you allowed to walk in a pool in your back, are you allowed to swim in a pool in your backyard? No. But I have an Eirov. It's a Gezerah to the ocean. <coughs> but if your pool has a rim, then that problem does not exist. There might be another problem with swimming, and that is you might make a boat. Are you allowed to travel on a boat on Shabbos? Well, there are all kinds of guidelines, and for that you can look in Simon Reish Mem Ches in Arachayim. Whether if you need to set sail, you usually don't set sail within three days of Shabbos, because there are different reasons for that. You may have to come to Choloh Shabbos, or it's very uh, within the first three days of traveling by water. Um, a person gets seasick, he won't be able to enjoy the Shabbos properly. So there are various versions and ideas and possibilities why it would have been considered Chiloch Shabbos to cross the Sambatyon on Shabbos, whether it's an issue of tchum, whether it's an issue of walking through the river, whether it's an issue of swimming, whether it's an issue of traveling on a boat. But bottom line is, they determined that it L'Chaira is Chilo Shabbos to travel, across the Sambatnion. However, the Rav of the city that was near the Sambatyon River and by the Asya Midbar said quite confidently, he said, look at number 42. Nana Rava kehilah va'amar. The Rabbi of the Kehila spoke up and he said, Kevan Sha'anu Nimson B'Sakhanos We are in grave danger. Behabreira Hayychida and the only choice HaOimedas that stands before us to save us, Hirak al Yedei Kach sheichalu es Hashabbos is only if we desecrate Shabbos. How re Halacha It is a clear P'sak. Shepikuach Nefesh doicha Shabbos. L'chayin muter l'fi din tayraseino akdasha. It is permitted according to the Halacha. L'chalal es Hashabbos l'tzar chatzolaseino to desecrate the Shabbos to save us. Now the question is, who's going to go? So anyone could go. Well, all the members of the heads of the Kila agreed to this. And they decided to send to the descendants of Moshe, the most distinguished among them. And you know who that is? The great Torah giant. Rabinu Meir, Ben Rabbi Yitzchak, the Shliach Now, who is this? Who is Reb Meir, the Rabbi Yitzchak, Shliach Tzibor? And, interestingly, this is a personage mentioned by Rashi and Tanakh numerous times. He was someone who was actually one of Rashi's Rabbeim. So now we're dating the story in the, to the medieval period, the period of the Rishinim. So let me give you a few examples where Rashi brings down his Rebbe, one of his Rabbim, Reb Meir, Shliat Sibor. For example, Rashi in Sefer HaShea, Pereg Vav, Pasuk Rashi is explaining the word Chiki. And he says, Tup Shatim. The first pshat Rashi says, "You know who I got it from? The Harishayn Midivre Reb Meir The first pshat I got from Reb Meir Shliach Turn over. Rashi also brings down um, in other places that about um Meir a Rashi in Amos Paragimel Pasuk Yud on the Davar Achar Matzasi B'Divrei Reb Meir BePaas Mita is a reference to the Avoin of Akhazia and domestic Eris is um Ben Had Melharam says Rashi I got this from the words of Rameyr Zatzah. Rashi and he says <speaking> in <Hebrew> Interestingly, the Harishy Midvarov shall Rameyr ben Rabyitchok Sliatsibar. Interestingly, Toysris and Musahtar Shashana and Afyir Aleph says Toysris in terms of wanting to know when the Malachim came to be Mavasar Avram Avinu, that he was going to have a child, says Toysus, well, look at the Piot that was composed by Reb Meir Shliach for the night of Pesach. He writes, Umat Afa Vayachelu, b'lel chag Pesach and Reb Meir Shliach Tzibor writes that the Malachim came to Avram Avinu on Pesach. And the Shibole Ha-Reket HaLeket writes as well, that when I came there, I heard from a tzaddik, Rameyar bar that Yitzchak, um, that the the Shubal HaLakit, I heard from the great tzaddik, Rameyar bar The Sefer HaToyda writes about Rameer bar He was the Chazin in the city of Varmiza. Now, by the way, where is varmaiza Worms yeah, in Germany. Okay. This supposedly happened in the... Uh, By the Rhine River. Yeah, but this supposedly happened... In Asia. In Asia, Asia. Yeah. As they say, it's a kasha a <laughs> <laughs> But, he writes here that um, Rameer Reb Yitzchuk was a chazin in the city that Rashi lived, and Rashi learned Torah from him. And he writes about Rameer... Shal was involved in many different disputes with different priests. To, and even his son, Nebuch, was killed, Al-Kedush Hashem, in the Masay Hatzlav Shaltatnu, that is the Crusade of 1096. That, the son of Rameir Shal Well, Rabbi Say, we're about to learn an amazing uh, account of what Rameer did and his journey to the other side of the, of the Samayon and we're going to end off with a question. Well, look at number 49. Rabbi Meir had no cheshek to go, but he knew he had to go to save Kal Yisrael. The even though it was very difficult to him, he would never be able to return home. He would be allowed to go because of pikuach Fashais. But on the way back, it's not a pikuach he would not be allowed to go. Because But what could he do in order to save Israel? He accepted upon himself the shlichos with all of the difficulties But what about his poor wife? If he never returns she's going to be an Aguna Rameer got up He divorced his wife so she should not remain an Aguna and she'd be able to marry someone else And we'll end off with the question Why would Rameer not be able to go back? The halacha is that if someone desecrates Shabbos to save somebody, they're allowed to go back, otherwise they're not going to do it another time. Um in Williamsburg and Bar Park, they don't... This is not Williamsburg and Bar Park. This is the Rhine River near Germaiza, and there they pass in like the Shulchan Aruch that says, you're allowed to go back. So why would he not be allowed to go back? Well, it's interesting, by the way, we just, well, I'll just end off with an interesting uh, story that the Chidar writes in his diary. About Varmaiza, we know the early Rishonim, the Rokeach was Rebbe Lazar Mi Garmiza. So, what happened to the name of the city, the name of the region? If it was once called Garmaiza, how did it become, become known as Varmaiza? Well, the Shla, who wrote a very detailed uh, diary of his travels through Europe, writes about a certain legend that in Garmaiza there was a dragon, a worm, that would not be satisfied until he would eat somebody. So every day they would have to feed him another member of the community. Otherwise, this dragon would wreak havoc. Until one day, a person said, Enough is enough. Throw me to the worm. I will vanquish the dragon. And they threw him to the worm and the worm swallowed him. And from the inside of the dragon, he cut up the dragon with his sword and he vanquished the dragon, says the chidah, from there on. It was no longer known as Garmaiza, but Varmaiza, the great worm, after this legend. For for more adventures on the other side of Sambat you know, and stay tuned till Friday Shir, Mirza Hashem, when we'll hopefully finish it up. Rabbi Isai, have a great day, and uh, hope to see you Mirza next time. You've just experienced another Torah class, brought to you by TorahAnyTime.com.